today on The Breakdown. It's a cash game hand featuring one of the great cash game players of all time. Actually, that's kind of true. It's Sean D, people, and it's a 25-50 game from Poker Night in America, but there's not just a straddle. There's a restraddle on. There's a $200 super blind, if you will, in this hand. All hell breaks loose. Let me just say that. We're excited to talk about it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I mean, it's not really super blind. It's, I mean, unless they're doing it, unless they're all doing it, you know, for a while. If, it's, if they've all agreed, it's basically a super blind, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, this is a follow-up to, it's not really a follow-up. It's not really a follow-up. But that's how Evan Denninghoff, oh, no, that's no, how ben, ben, Page, Page. ben Page framed it. Um, those are the two suggestors, by the way, Evan yeah. Denninghoff and Ben Page. They both had something to say. Ben Page said this is a nice follow-up to the last Sean Deeb hand that he also suggested, which came out about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. where there was a bunch of table talk with Deeb and Dintali. This hand is a Sean Deeb hand. It involves table talk. We don't think the table talk is as important in this one. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter at all, actually. Whereas it, it, it Maybe it matters in one slight way, and we'll get to that. Whereas for the last one, it's actually very important. You should go back and check that one out if you haven't oh, yeah. yet, because it's a cool, unique thing where Sean Deeb offers to show Mike Dentali a card, and that alone on the river, after Mike Dentali had shown Sean Deeb a card, should have been enough for Dentali to fold immediately, and Dentali didn't figure it out. And if you want to know like the game theory and stuff behind that, check out that podcast and video. It's cool. Yeah, we get, we get completely into it and explain exactly why that information is literally enough to throw your hand into the garbage right, right away if you're uh, Mike Dentali in that hand. So yeah. it's kind of cool. So that's what Ben Page was saying. It's a bit of a follow-up to that. Evan Denninghoff was... Uh, was doing a little bit of you know taunting to our Hall of Famers, mm. saying this is a, a follow-up to his Rookie of the Year performance from 2018. He's yeah. like, look out, Hall of Famers. Well, Evan, you and Ben Page are the only suggestors. That's good for your case. That's a really good sign. That's- it's like when you say, like, you know, two guys have averaged you know, 25 points, 11 rebounds, and nine assists you know, in the history of the league, and it's Julius Serving and Evan right. Denninghoff. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a good sign when you're, yeah. when you're mentioning the same conversation as Ben Page. Right. So one, of, one of the Hall of Famers. Right. I mean, I don't know if you're going to catch Ben Page, Evan. I mean, you can keep suggesting the same things and stay on pace, but he's already... I mean, that's he's not already, enough. He's already way ahead. You got to have to put a little more work in, but you are, you're still looking good. You're yeah. looking good. So, yeah, no, it was a very... Uh, we're hoping for a good sophomore campaign from you. No sophomore <laughs> slump, you know? <laughs> All right. So this is a 25-50 game, but they are gambling. There is a second straddle on. Uh, this time it's Matt Glantz. So 25-50, 100-200. Matt Glantz. It's a guy who's just been around poker forever, and everybody's just kind of like aware of him but doesn't really talk about him, right? That's just the, the Matt Glantz way. That's about right. I mean, he uh, he basically found a home in Philadelphia casinos, I think originally at Parks and now is at wherever they're – I don't think they're filming Poker Night in America at Parks. I think they film at a different uh, – Philly Casino, maybe Sugar Hill, maybe somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, Sugar Land, whatever. Um, but I think he just basically hosts that game a lot, whether it's on TV or not, and stays in that area for the most part. But there was a little while where he seemed like he was on TV a lot and was seen as like one of the, the rising or really good players. I don't feel like that's really part of his uh, resume anymore. Is he you know? more of a cash game or tournament guy in your mind? In my mind, he's more of a cash game guy. He was for a little while doing okay in tournaments too, but that was way back when when everyone was absolutely was obliteratingly like bad. Stuff. 
early WPT stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like since yeah, I pick poker tour level timing, you know. But I'm like in the last like seven eight years, I don't. And my, to my mind, anyway, to my knowledge, Matt Plans hasn't done anything big in the tournament world. He might be doing great in the cash games. I mean. This hand is a good example of the level of fishiness that's in these games. I mean, these games are amazing to play in. Right. I mean, We're even though see. it's a 25-50 game, there's so much money to be won. Yeah. yeah. There's Although a lot Lance, of money to be won in this game. If it was a, He never made it to the highest of the high levels back no. in those days because he was never on high-stakes poker. I remember that. I mean, I don't think, period. I don't think he also ever had the kind of tournament success it really takes to be seen as, like, truly one of the great players. But there was a little while when it wouldn't have been super surprising if he ascended to that, and then it didn't happen. Mm. That's fine. That's yeah. the way it goes for most people, sure. you know? Anyway, he's the garbage human in the hand. So yes. He is, yes the, he, is. he is the big straddle of 200. We are seven-handed, 25, 50, 100, 200. So more than half the table has money in preflop. It's cool. Yeah. This, this hand, by the way, is awesome because it brings up a kind of a particular situation that comes up a lot for good players, I think. Not a lot. comes up fairly often, at least, for good players. And it's, a, it's sort of a, a thing that sort of sucks as a good player, and I'm excited to get into it and talk about it and like, try and figure it out. Right, it's bit. about a good player trying to navigate uh, an amateur. Yes, but an amateur in a very particular way, which I don't want to spoil the hand, so that's why I'm trying not to get into it. But there's a thing, if you, if you play amateurs with any regularity as a listener, this is a, this is a spot you've been in multiple times. Yes, that sounds about right. All right, so 2550, 100, 200. Awesome. Sean Deeb is plus one, but he's also in the cutoff because we're seven-handed and there's four blinds. Yeah. Um, and he has five deuce of clubs. He's going to open to 700. Now, even though he's in the cutoff, this must he must just feel like the table is so fishy. Yeah, I mean, this is just him Sean Deebing it because clearly this is not an optimal, right. anywhere close to an, a reasonable or optimal open. Right, and it's not... The cutoff is not the same when there's four blinds as when there's two blinds. Correct. There's a lot more players to get through when there's four blinds, and they're more incentivized to put chips in the pot. Right. The cutoff had, the value of the cutoff is twofold, right? One is that you're often going to, if you open, you're often going to have the button, which is great. Not yeah. always, but often. But also, usually it means a bunch of people have already folded, and you only have to get through three more players to steal the blinds, right? Yeah. Or, you're, or, you're, you know, or get heads up against the big blind only, which is going to be a weaker range. That is not the case here. It's the opposite here. You know, you've gotten through almost nobody. <laughs> and um, so, so you still are often going to have position, but the other thing is not there. So this is like him opening plus one to some degree. I don't like this open, even it's, for Sean D. It's almost worse because players are incentivized to put chips in because yes. they have chips invested already. Matt Lance is calling super wide. Yeah, here, right. Um, and Sean Deep has five deuce suited. I just, I mean, I understand he's Sean Deep. Maybe he just feels he can handle all of it. It's fine. And maybe he's right. But I think most players should not do this kind of stuff almost ever. Right. I think he just feels like he's clearly the best player at the table. It's like yeah. Matt Glance and Phil Hungweather at the table. Sean Deeb's like, right. yeah, those guys aren't fucking shit. I mean, yeah. he's he's probably right yeah. that he is likely the very, by far the best player at the table. Right. So maybe he can just feels like, eh, my cards don't matter that much anyway. Yeah. I hope he's right. Well, either way, he does it. And yeah. we get to watch an awesome hand unfold because of it. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Yeah. We need a little bit more song on yeah. the podcast. I agree. I'm going to just insert me singing. From here on out in this episode, we're going to see how it goes. It's sort of a test run for people. If you love it, tweet it at us. If you hate it, keep it to your damn self. No one cares anyway about your damn opinions. I want you to sing somewhere over the rainbow, but I want you to not be able to get through the first sentence because you start just weeping. Okay. Can you, can you do that? Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not your monkey. I'm not doing it on demand. Don't, don't pull a John Stewart on me. I know what that's from. <laughs> Crossfire. I told you I'm going to insert it at times. I'm yeah. not going to do it now. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to feel organic, man. Okay. Organic weeping is coming. <laughs> no problem. All I right. got this. 
So Deeb opens to 700 in the cutoff with five deuce of clubs. Mm. Uh, we got a guy named Jeremy Kaufman, who is very talkative and very amateurish. Oh, he's a monster amateur. I, I feel like I almost have to tell the story of the Dentali hand. Okay, tell the Dentali hand story so, about Jeremy Kaufman, who he seems like he's a lot of fun at the table, by the way. He is. He's funny and has a lot of personality, for sure, as you guys will hear in this hand. But here's an important hand to know about, just to give you a sense of who this guy is and how fishy he is. So Dentali played a hand with him. I'm not exactly sure what happened pre-flop, but Dentali's got queens. Kaufman's got 9-10 suited. One way or another, Dentali was the last aggressor pre-flop. I don't know if he just raised or if he three-bet pre-flop. He probably three-bet, honestly. Um, but I know the flop was 8-8-5, eight, eight, and Dentali checked his queens over to Kaufman, who then bet some normal amount, like 1,400, which was a re- the pot probably had like 1,800 in it or 2,000. Dentali check-raises all in for 8,000 or so, and Kaufman calls pretty quickly saying, I, I think I have two overs, I call. And Dentali's got queens, and it's just like, What? Did you yeah. just do? I think he may have had a, two back doors. He may there may have been one club. There certainly weren't two clubs on that board. But there's no more moves to be made. He's just calling. He's just calling, and that's that. And the board ran out almost a little funky there for a second. But Dentali got to win, and that's Jeremy Kaufman. So he doesn't care about the money in a way a lot of people might. He's super fishy. He's into doing the minus EV plays for fun. He's just. A guy, you know, he's here to play poker, man. And, and to him, that means have fun, gamble it up, throw some chips around, see what happens. Yeah. Right. As opposed to like John Deeb, who's here to play poker. But that means win money, break souls, you know, wait for the perfect moments to like strike, you know, yeah. make perfect plays. Kaufman is kind of the perfect whale to get in a, in a game, right? Because yeah. he's, he's going to throw money around. He's going to be funny and have fun. And he's not going to take anything too hard. He's going to be, he's going to let it slide off his back. It seems like, yeah, he's a, he's great both for this game and for TV. Yeah. So he's, he's a, he's like a real find for them for as long as he's willing to do this. That's the thing. Right. I like, mean, like if he, I, I mean, the thing is, I think a lot of players who play like him and just are playing for fun, like to tell themselves they're a little better than they are. And he's maybe not keeping records. If he's not keeping records, he'll probably stay longer than if he is. And he realizes he's played like 10 sessions and is down, you know, 14 buy-ins. And he's like, well, Maybe I'm not doing something right. I mean, this is one of the problems with being on, with putting a guy like this on TV, right? Yeah. Is like now the whole world sees some of these hands and tweets at him and talks to him about it, and then he like gets a lot of sort of negative feedback about his uh, his performance, yeah. and that makes yeah. him less likely to want to keep playing. Versus if it's like most of these times, these kinds of guys are just in home games or in these or regulars in these cash games, and for sure they have no idea how much they're losing at all, and they don't want to know, right? It's like, you know, when you're like, when your arm hurts for two months, you're like, I don't want to, I don't really want to go to the doctor. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I'm just not going to go for a It'll while. It'll probably just get better. Yeah. But it's been two months. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of like that. You just right. don't want to get the bad news. Yeah. All right. So Kaufman, the guy we've been talking about, calls from the initial straddle, the $100 straddle with nine, five of diamonds. So yep. he's calling 600 more. Jeremy Kaufman, Kaufman. That's pretty good. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. I was like, hey, that kind of works. I thought you were going to do the other part of the song, though, where you kind of, like, drop it. How does that go? Yes, <laughs> Like that. You know, I think it's possible Stapes does it to some version of what I just oh, did he? on the show at some point. I think it's possible. That may be where I got it. But who cares? I said I was going to interrupt yeah. with singing. I did. You're welcome, America. Yeah. And the world. That was great. All right, continuing on. All right, so he makes a minus EV call from the initial straddle with 9-5 of diamonds here. Yeah, with glance behind him. Yeah. I'm going to say this is a, out of position, this is a horrific call. Yep. If, if he's on the button and it's heads up, I think this is an okay call with two back doors. Sean Deeb opening super wide yeah. and always going to continue. 
um, with the plan of trying Wait, to take what it are you away. talking about? We're talking pre-flop still. Oh, my God. We're still pre-flop? Yeah. I just assumed we were past that because we've been doing no. this podcast for so long. I'm talking about pre-flop. <laughs> he calls with 955 oh, well out of the initial that's, channel. That's not a good call either. No. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. No. Stick with the fucking Jeremy Coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I got caught up in the song thing, man. Now you, now you spoiled the flop. No story. one knows anything. Let's All go. Right. Well, Mac Lance is also going to call out of the big straddle with Queen Seven of Hearts, and that's actually a good pre-flop play. The first yeah. one. Yeah, that's the first one that actually makes sense. Yeah. And I guess I did spoil that Mac Lance was still in the hand for sure, yeah. right? Maybe some other things. Who knows? Um, okay, but yeah, that, that's reasonable. Good job, Mac Lance. You didn't screw it up. Not like, not like Jonathan Levy screws it up. You got to be able to multitask, Levy. Keep in your head where we are in the hand at the same time as thinking about the next thing you're going to sing about. Come on, chicken baby, let me do that song. I know I can't control right. myself any longer. See, the thing is, I don't know if you understand the concept of scarcity and how yeah. it, it drives demand. I don't get that. No, no. It, it seems like you don't. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Uh, I'll let the listeners just roommate on that. And they're probably thinking, yeah, Grant's got a good point there. Me- meanwhile, hashtag American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. Is that show still on? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know, man. Anyway, the pot is $2,175. We've got Sean Deeb as the opener in the cutoff with five deuce of clubs. We've got Jeremy Kaufman in the initial straddle with nine five of diamonds and Mac Lance in the big straddle with queen seven of hearts. And the place where my heart belongs is Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. You you know, it's nice to see that you've fallen in love I have with a, a wife. With a website. I have a wife, but my, my heart belongs to Nitrogen Sports <laughs> Poker Room. I assume she doesn't listen to this. I'm hoping she doesn't. She mostly doesn't listen, but I know once in a while she does. She does. I, like she's doing, she listens to it when she's falling asleep sometimes. Oh. And this, I think so she probably won't even pay attention. This <laughs> might perk her right up. I got it She might just sit right up in the bed there, be man. Like, It'll be like two months after I've recorded <laughs> this and I'll like go to bed a bit later than her and she'll be all pissed. And I'll be like, what's going on? And I'll have no idea. Who is this Nitrogen Sports? <laughs> well, she knows who Nitrogen yeah, Sports I know, is. I know. I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but, but might it, not, she might not appreciate the joke. But the truth is this. You are in love with Nitrogen Sports. Well, you know why, Jonathan? Because they're in love with me and I like that, you know. Oh, so it's just if, you know, they, they gain adoration by adoring. I'm if only it were that easy, Grant. No, it's not. They, really... They've earned a little bit more. They've earned your love. Though. They have, and it's they've just earned it in a couple you. ways. One yeah. way that they've done it is to give our listeners and viewers some awesome perks. If you use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up, you get access to our exclusive Poker Guys events. You have to wear a black tie. That is not true, but they are exclusive. <laughs> they and are. Uh, every month we have a tournament at the end of the month, which is one of those exclusive events that. Has a guarantee of a thousand millibits. It is a point or a hundred millibits. It is a point one millibit buy-in. That means the guarantee is one thousand times the buy-in. We've only ever gotten around eighty players at most. It's a good deal. It's a great deal. Of course, they also have sports betting. They have casino games. It's Bitcoin only, which means the money gets in fast. It gets out to you in ninety minutes. It's awesome. Use the link in the description. Get you some poker, nitrogen sports. Lose your heart forever. But I'll, but you know keep it. But like but you know give it away. You know, you know, lose keep it. it, but give it away. I got to tell you, I feel like the way we opened that particular Nitrogen Sports ad is like prime freaking candidate for the new ad, like visual, you know, video ad. Oh, yeah. Like that was amazing. They <laughs> yeah. need to do that one. If you guys haven't seen the video ad that Nitrogen has made of one of our podcast ads where they take a still frame of us and make our mouths move in it's a incredible. creepy way. You should definitely watch Poker Time because that's where you can find those. Yes. Poker Time, of course, are... That's our version of Poker Night in America, really. Yeah. We put it out every, uh, in case you guys don't know, we put it out every week, every Tuesday. 
yep. comes out. It's uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Or actually, it isn't anymore, though. Yeah. We, we've been experimenting with longer episodes. So now we're talking about doing four-hour episodes. We've just right. started that, actually. So it's an experiment to see how everyone responds to it. So we'll see. Four-hour episodes, and then the next week we get a, a nice director's cut with all the best hands from the session. Yep. But so it's just Grant and I doing the poker commentary. So if you like hearing us talk about poker, this is perfect. You get that. You also get to watch people playing uh, five ten, sometimes other stakes, sometimes higher stakes potentially as well. We're we're, we're talking about, about to kick into ten twenty. We think we think as as of this recording, we're we're talking pretty heavily about that. So we'll see. But um, but even a five ten game, it's a crazy game where you know there's often blind raises and all sorts of things. And, and you got the poker guys commentating. What else could you want? I mean, honestly, if you like this podcast, there's no reason why you wouldn't really like that show. Right. If you like to watch poker on TV, of course. Of course. Which you should. Or just listen to it on TV. You don't have to yeah. watch it. Keep your eyes closed. It doesn't closed. matter as long as we get a view. Just keep your eyes closed. Don't look. <laughs> All right. Close your eyes. Too much. Close your eyes. You're doing it too, too frequently. When I'm gone. You're really, you're ruining it for everybody. You got to do it like I, very rarely. I mean, I'm doing it rarely. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you might be holding back. That doesn't mean you're I doing it rarely. holding back so much. All right. So we have Queen Seven of Hearts for Glance in the big straddle. We have Deuce Five of Clubs for Deeb as the initial razor and Kaufman in the small straddle with nine five of diamonds, twenty one seventy five in the pot. The flop only really hits Deeb. It is ten of spades, Deuce of Diamonds, Four of Hearts. So Deeb flops bottom pair, Glance flops a back door flush draw, and I guess there's two back doors for Jeremy Kaufman, but yeah. they are not great. Correct. Kaufman checks. Good. Glance checks. Good. Deeb decides to bet to protect his equity. That seems pretty normal. Seems pretty normal. I mean, it's one of those sort of, you're often bet folding. And if you get called, you're usually behind. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's not a great spot, but it's yeah. reasonable to bet to protect his but equity. But this is Poker Night in America featuring Jeremy Kaufman, and things are different. Yeah. So Deep bets 1,100. 10 deuce 4, rainbow. Yeah. Jeremy Kaufman is 9-5 of diamonds. In the, in the, not the small blind, but in the, the, the first straddle, yeah. which is, he's out of position to everyone, yeah. He calls. Yeah. He does not raise. He does not fold he calls with nine five of diamonds what i'd like to do now is jump back to that part when we were talking about pre-flop and yeah, use yeah. my analysis from that right now and okay. say if he was on the button and they were heads up this is a reasonable call yes because you can float this is your board a little more than it's uh deep's board anyway it's it's better for you um he's going to check a lot on the turn you can you can take it away from a huge amount of his hands from like king queen ace 10 not ace 10 sorry ace jack ace queen ace nine suited blah 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 all these things but he's out of position. He's got Matt Glance behind him. This is a horrific call. Horrific. The whole board advantage, range advantage thing might not be true against Sean Deeb opening in the cutoff. It's a good as point. We see as five do suited. It's so. a great point, actually. Yeah. But that's not really here nor there. The point is that with Glance behind him, Kaufman is calling with out nine five of diamonds out of position on a ten deuce four one diamond board. Horrible. Yeah. There's nothing to say. That's awful. He's, I mean, he's definitely going to bluff if he doesn't get there, right? I mean, I freaking hope... Well, I don't know what he's going to do. It depends on how the board runs out, right? Yeah. I mean, there are a few really good cards on the turn. A three is a good card. A diamond's a good card. Yeah. A three of diamonds is a beautiful card. That's it, right? A nine is fine. Nine is good, but you could be losing to a, a ten already. Right, but it's Sean Deeb. You, I mean, you're usually ahead of a nine. You can't turn. fold if you hit a nine. Yeah. If, and that means you're going to call with a five also, right? Because yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Five, five, would, be, five would be real bad because Deeb would make two pairs. Yes. That's right. But in your mind, it's like, it's not exactly the same. You're losing that, you know, six of sevens, eights that nines are, that's the one thing nines are beating. Yeah. But really, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, you're going to call if you hit a pair. But still, that's not that much of the deck. 
to be no. excited about. And you're out of position, so it's going to be hard to leverage. If you if you get a draw, it's hard to leverage that draw very well. Um, it's hard to make a lot of money on that draw. This is just wanting to be in the hand and play the poker. This is just uh, fish playing fishy. Yeah. You know, that's okay. He's a tourist. It's fine. Well, Matt Glantz is going to fold the Queen 7 of hearts. Good. So there we go. Matt Glantz made great decisions in this hand. Matt Glantz has played this hand poifically. No wonder he's the, ever, the guy everybody talks about all the time. Matt Glantz. All right. Now there is 4375 in the pot going to the turn. 10 deuce 4, rainbow. Turn is the ace of diamonds. It is one of the better cards in the deck for Jeremy Kaufman. It absolutely is. He now has a combo draw. He started with nothing. Now he's here. It's tied for the second best card in the deck, I think. I guess you could argue nines are good too, but I don't know. I think I prefer the six of diamonds or the ace of diamonds to a nine, I think. Yeah. Probably the six of diamonds actually is better than the ace of diamonds because the ace hits shot a whole lot more than Right. So now he's got the wheel draw. Three will make Kaufman a straight. Yeah. uh, And... Well, three three will also make Diva straight. Yeah, but okay, yeah. but still, but he, but he, but in Kaufman's mind, he went from absolutely nothing to a lot of equity. Right. So, so that's pretty cool. What should Kaufman's plan be on this card? Well, the thing it's problematic that it's an ace, right? Yeah, so Deeb has plenty of aces that he see, but he does, and Deeb isn't like a huge folder type, you know? No, I wouldn't. So like trying to like check raise on this card feels like a bad move. Like if Deeb has Ace Jack and bets it, I don't think he's folding very often. Maybe he is, though. Like, we have aces up a lot if we check-raise, right? As Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, also, 3-5 gets there, and Kaufman could have 3-5. Apparently, he can. Yeah. Um, I believe Deeb is betting his ace if he hits it against Kaufman specifically. Like, he's like, yeah, you're going to call me with the 10. You're going to call me with all sorts of Yeah, I stuff, think right? so, too. But it would be scary to get check-raise because Kaufman could have ace-deuce or ace-four or 3-5. Yeah. My guess is Deeb wouldn't fold the turn and would make a decision on the river. Yeah. Against Kaufman specifically, because Kaufman's weird and crazy and, you know, right. sort of hemorrhaging chips at times. You know, just like boom, 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 shooting chips all over the place. Yeah. Crazy person. And his plan might be to check raise because he does check. I, I don't think leading would make any sense because the ace hits Sean right. so much more. If the six of diamonds come, leading's, leading, I think, is reasonable. Yeah. But the ace is like just so much better for Sean than it is for right for um, Jeremy. Kaufman doesn't get the opportunity. He, uh, he gets checked back by Deeb. What do you think about Deeb's check back here? Deeb has decided not to turn his hand into a bluff. Yeah. Same logic applies as if Deeb had an ace where he's thinking, I can bet this against this guy because he's going to call me with his fours and his tens still. Right. So if he's going to call with his fours and his tens still, it's problematic when you got deuce five. Right. And he doesn't mind seeing a river where he actually does improve some of the time, right? He gets fives, deuces, and threes all make him pretty strong hands. Yeah. The five, 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 five isn't amazing. You're not super happy with the five. But, but, but Jeremy doesn't have very many threes in his range. He just right. doesn't. I mean, he has a few, but yeah. not that. So, like, a five is good enough that you're going to put chips in the pot, right? If he, if he checks, you're going to bet, and if he bets, you're going to call. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I, so I think that's the deal. All right. So we've already seen some splashy stuff from Jeremy Kaufman, but get ready for the river. Yes. It's time for the fun. Okay, here we go. All right. And this is the conundrum. Get ready for it, people. Yeah, but there's many stages to this, so it might take a while to get to the conundrum. Yeah, it's true. So the river is the deuce of hearts. 4375 in the pot. That is a great card for Sean DB makes trips. Yep. This is probably his best card. Right. And he's probably thinking there's not a ton of ways to get paid. Kaufman doesn't have too many aces in his range. Deep can hope that Kaufman has a 10 and will call. I mean, Kaufman can have aces up. He can. So that's what you're hoping for. That's your best case scenario is deep. Yeah. Right? But it's rare. Yeah. And Kaufman obviously has some one pair aces too, based on his flop call. He does. Yeah. He does. He has like ace three. Maybe he even has like ace 
jack because he's like whatever. Yeah, you know what? I mean, if he has nine five, he probably yeah. does have ace jack. Right. I would imagine he does. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. For so him great, we can get some value out of those hands. But Deeb doesn't get to really think about that for too long before Kaufman leads out as a bluff for seventeen hundred. Yeah. Do you think this is a good bluff? I think it's actually a pretty good bluff. He's yeah. repping a deuce. He's repping an ace. Deep check back the turn. Deep could have like two sevens here. Yeah. I think Coffin has nine high. He called the flop because he's going to try and do something. Yep. He picked up a great card, but didn't get the opportunity to do something on the turn. I think he's, I think because Sean checked the ace means he's not loving the ace most of the time. He's often going to bet his ace against Kaufman. Kaufman, I guess, could have a deuce, but not, not often. I don't think you're really repping a deuce. I think you're repping like either ace is up or just an ace, like ace, ace jack or something like that is reasonable for him to have. And I think he would bet ace jack here. Yeah. Reasonable in terms of Kaufman, not, re- not reasonable in terms of like a reasonable player. Do you think Kaufman, I know you don't know a ton about Kaufman, but we've profiled him a little bit. Yeah. Do you think he would bet like king 10 here? Oh, that's a great question. It's totally reasonable to bet king 10 here. I, I guess don't know all 10s are the same, by the way. It doesn't matter if it's a king, but whatever. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah. Do you um, think you would bet I, th- I think a 10 is a reasonable bet here. Yeah. Okay. Especially because Deep doesn't like to fold. Right. I think you should bet a 10 here. Yeah. He checked back. If he has an ace, he's going to bet the river anyway. Who cares? Let's bet ourselves. Make sure we get try and get called by two sevens, which are um, which are likely checking back this river. Right. Right. And yeah, I think it actually is a pretty good bluff if we can bet a 10 and we can fold out king highs and maybe some sevens, eights, nines type hands. Yeah. So it's not a bad bluff by Kaufman. Right on. Okay, so Deeb, of course, not going to fold. No, Deeb's got trip deuces. Deeb has to raise here. Against this guy? Against pretty much anyone, really. Because who? How, how does the guy have a whole lot? 3-5. 3-5. Three, right? five. Five. I guess he could have been slow playing a set on the flop or yeah, something fours, like that. Yeah, set of fours. That's about it. Yeah. Though, right? That's pretty good. Like, of course we have to raise. Try and get value from... I mean, it's hard to get called, but maybe... I mean, if the guy has aces up, he probably has to call, right? Because yeah. how does Deep has a, have a deuce? He just doesn't have very many deuces. Right. Right. So Deep raises big. He raises to 8,200. Yeah. He's just saying, like, I hope you don't believe me. Hope you don't believe me. And it's possible Deep thinks against this guy, like, bigger is better. Like, bigger looks bluffier, and he just... He's sort of... He's price insensitive, except that he thinks, like, he's maybe he's more likely to call on a big, on a big bet, you know? Yeah. It looks like Deep's trying to blow him off a hand a little bit when he makes it 8K instead of making it like 6,000 6, or something. Right. You know? Right. So I like that. I like the sizing by Deep. It's a, it's a big raise. So something that I want to give Kaufman credit for, because we've been talking about how he's kind of like fishy and messing around, is he is very comfortable at the table. Like he, mm. and he is well aware he has nine high. He doesn't have a good hand. He's planning on doing something with it. And he's just asking Sean Deeb how much he has and stuff like that. And he, he seems like casual and not nervous and stuff. And he's, Agreed. He's really good at that part of it. Now, it's possible if we studied him or if Zach Elwood like looked at just a couple hours of Kaufman talking, he could easily diagnose whether or not Kaufman was strong. Sure. But based on just a cursory look over, he, he feels very comfortable. It feels like he's not like cowed by the moment at all. And he's, he's fine with talking and being yeah. kind of jovial even when he doesn't have it. Yeah, and we'll explain a little more yeah. about that very shortly. Yeah. So, so he asked Deeb how much he has. Deeb has Kaufman covered. Kaufman has about twenty eight thousand total uh, to start the river, and Kaufman moves in. Yeah. For twenty eight thousand three hundred. This is crazy. This is crazy on so many levels. This is crazy. Number one, because Kaufman, what hands would Kaufman actually move in with here? If we think about it for even a quarter of a second, like. Deeb has all the nutted hands. 
Yeah. What what nutted hands does Kaufman have? I think Kaufman can do it more because he can have three five here. Because he's Kaufman. Yeah. He can have like I think if you've got a set of fours and deep raises, you can't love you. I mean, you're not folding. Right. But I don't think moving in's a good idea. Like no. deepest pocket aces, right? Sometimes. Like, right. And he's calling with that, but he's folding a lot of the weaker stuff. Like, yeah. I think we, Deeb has two tens and pocket aces sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't think we can move in with pocket force, but maybe Kaufman would move in and right. wouldn't think about it. I so think that's Kaufman the thing. would move in with 5 3 also. Right. Like, so he's if just, he's doing that, that makes this okay. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Kaufman moves in for 28,300, and Sean Deeb is sitting there with trips, and he's not happy. Like, no. He could have just called 1,700, but now it's $28,300. This is serious money. Right. And now they've already had the thing where Sean said to Dentali, which we've done in our other hand, where he said, for $500 off the table, I'll show you. You can pick any card you want, and I'll show it to you. Yeah. So Mac Lance turns to uh, Jeremy and says some version of, like, you know, you want to show him something, you know? Yeah. And, and they have a quick discussion about how much it would be, and Kaufman says, for $3,000, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which is, and he does it with a big smile on his face, and it's really funny. It's it a is. great moment. It is. And this is sort of goes to his comfort level. Right. Right. And then he says... Actually, you can go fuck yourself for free. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also great. It's just it's not done with like anger or, or hate no. or anything like that. It's really done playfully and it, he looks really comfortable. Right. I will say. So you guys should watch the video we make of this to see him actually do that. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to and, beep that out, I guess. Maybe no no, actually I guess we don't. It was on YouTube anyway. We can leave it on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool to watch. So you guys should watch that to see how he seems so comfortable. Yeah. Maybe that plays into Sean Deeb not feeling like this guy is too fishy for me to fold here and actually like taking some time and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Cause Deeb is thinking about it. He's talking to Kaufman and he's saying stuff like, yeah, I've been wrong the last three times. I, I always call on this spot. I've been wrong the last three times. Yeah. And he's really thinking about it. I mean, this is a huge shove. Yes. So what is Sean Deeb thinking about? I mean, it's, it's not really a huge shove, right? It's just, it's a normal size shove, right? It's 8,000. He makes it 28,000 and he's going all in. Like, that's a reasonable size shove. Considering right? that the pot was forty three hundred before the river began, okay. it feels like a lot of money. Yeah. Well, Sean sized it up. You right. know, like if he if he made it six thousand twenty eight starts or five thousand twenty eight seems like feels a lot bigger. But I agree with you; it's big either way. Yeah. Okay. So we're Sean Deeb. We're in this spot again. We're always in this spot of Sean Deeb, probably because he's making thinner raises than a lot of other people are on the river to get called. Okay, but if we take a step outside of this. This is a spot that pros are in all the time, or just good players are in all the time. You don't have to be a pro, right? You raise the fish on the river with a good but not amazing hand, and then they come back over the top of you, right? Yeah. This is a common instance that happens in poker. This is where it's extremely important to understand who you're playing against and what type of player they are. Yeah. Because calling somebody categorically a bad player or a fish or whatever terminology you want to use is not a good way to determine what their intentions are and what type of moves they make because they are there are different types of bad players. Of course. Sometimes right. there's some players who will only ever have it here. Right. 100% of the time. And it's foolish to consider calling with... Forget about deuces with basically the worst kicker. Any trip deuces is a terrible call here against these players. Right? Yeah. Um, like, they always have at least ace-deuce here, 100% of the time. Right. There, there's, a bun- there's a whole bunch of players who will only ever have minimum of full house here. Yeah. Um, now, there are other players who are apparently like Jeremy Kaufman, since Jeremy Kaufman doesn't have it here, who are more fuck-you players. Yeah. And are like, you push me around, I push you around. Yep. You know? And the problem is, it's sometimes hard to tell in the moment who's who. You know? 
Yeah. Like you're sitting there with Sean Deeb and it's like my initial, inst- my initial thought if I were in Sean Deeb's shoes here would be he's got to have it, right? Doesn't he just have to have it? I raised to 8,200. I yeah. raised huge. Against a good player, this is a sign that you are polarized and you've got a big hand, right? Yeah. It's really hard to move in over that because he didn't, make, he didn't do a small race. He did the big race. All right, let's... Um this is going to take a second, but let's take a step back from the okay. hand and remove Jeremy Kaufman from the hand and say the same actions happen, but it's Jason Kuhn sitting there. Right. And that includes pre-flop, flop, everything. What hands are we putting Jason Kuhn on for value? Okay. Tens full. Four is full. Those are the two obvious ones. Yeah. Can he ever have? Can he ever have Ace Deuce suited here and actually play it this way? It's doubtful. It's doubtful. He's probably three betting pre flop pretty much one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. By the way, let me just say something before I let this go too far. I said like the, it's a polarizing raise on the river. I mean, any river raise is polarizing. Yeah. So I don't. Sure. I don't mean to like. I don't mean to. I don't want to like put too much weight into that. All right, coming back to the Jason Kuhn question. So is Jason Kuhn basically just tens full and fours full for value? If it's Jason Kuhn as played. Think so? I, Ace Deuce is good because you got all the blockers. That's the oh that. But you're, you're but you're bluffing, which is crazy. Now you're trying to fold out tens full, which is a terrible idea. When you, you're saying you, you mean Jason Kuhn? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's a terrible idea because you're. I mean, having all the blockers doesn't help if you have tens full, right? Either either he's got you beat or if he's got you beat, he's not folding. Right. Ditto four is full. He's not folding. So so actually, having blockers doesn't help in this case. It does not. And to fold out those Jason hands. Kuhn is not flatting preflop with Ace Deuce suited. Of course he is. Right. Um, okay. So, so Jason Kuhn wouldn't have three, five suited here. We don't think even if he got here, he would river, only call, he would only race. call on the, he river. would call the raise. I think he'd, yeah. he'd hope, pr- hope and pray. He'd think for a while and call the raise. He'd be like, well, I guess you slow played a set. I don't know. Like, otherwise it doesn't, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. That he wouldn't bet the turn. Right. But that ace, maybe you just didn't want to scare me off. I don't know. I call. Right. I think that's what would happen. Right. So he never has a string. All right. Other side of the spectrum. Yes. What do we put Phil Ruffin on for value? Who then moves in. Here. Yeah. Well, I think he can do it with all trip deuces. Yeah. I don't know if he can do it with worse than trip deuces. If he has ace-10, is he moving in? I don't know. Phil Ruffin doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't. It's asking a lot for him to move in, though, as opposed to call right. with ace-10. I think, a lot, I think almost everyone would call with ace-10 when they got raised here by Sean Deeb on this board. Yeah. I think it's very reasonable to call. Um. But re-raising, I think only the, the... I know Phil Ruffin's pretty fishy, but that is like a whole other level of fishiness, I think. Yeah. Even past Phil Ruffin. Probably right. But I think if Phil Ruffin had like King Deuce suited, which he could have, by the way, pre-flop, yeah. he absolutely might move all in here thinking like, yeah, I obviously have the best hand. And I don't care if I'm wrong, by the way. He would be right. Yeah. <laughs> he would be right. Back to Jason Kuhn. Sorry to make this confusing. No problem. What would Jason Kuhn's bluffs be? That's a great question. His bluffs would be hands that have a 10 in them, I think. Yeah, like jack 10 suited. Maybe hands. he has that have an ace in them sometimes, too, because he gets to block pocket aces. He blocks pocket 10s. I think that's what he wants to be doing is block the full houses, yeah. the obvious full houses. Um, having a deuce in his hand is probably too good to turn into a bluff. Yeah. Where he's beating enough of Sean Deeb's range here, be it bluffs or maybe even some value. I'm not sure if Sean Deeb's raising the river for value, this river for value against Kuhn. Probably he is anyway. I think he is. Yeah. It's like so hard for Kuhn to have you, right? Um, so you just do it. Um, so I think Kuhn's probably calling with all his trip deuces and sort of not loving it, but doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Just like he's calling with Ace-10. So it's a super tough spot against Jason Kuhn. You don't know what to do. How often is he really moving in with an ace in his hand or a, a 10 in his hand? I'm not sure. Right. Probably not very often. Not if he only has fours and tens full for value. Also, it's not like... He, it's weird for him to, to risk $28,000 when all he's done is put like $2,500 in. He doesn't yeah. need... Like, he has no need to do this. So he would you know? be value heavy, you think, Jason Kuhn? My guess is he'd be value heavy in this spot. All right. So now we're back to Jeremy Osmus. Yes. It's who, not Osmus. Not, 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 not Jeremy Osmus. Jeremy Osmus is actually a pro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Kaufman, excuse me. No problem. Who is probably not value heavy. At least we can see that he has 9-5 of diamonds here. If he has 9-5 of diamonds, that means he's got a huge amount of hands here, right? And it, this clearly comes down to he's trying to play the player. Yeah. He's trying to play Sean Deeb. And I don't think he's trying to get Sean Deeb to fold some super strong hand, right? I think he's trying to get Sean Deeb to fold some. I think he thinks Sean Deeb's probably bluffing also. Or Sean Deeb is like ace-king or something. Sean Deeb's story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'll give Kaufman this, right? He checks when the ace hits and then raises the river. It's like you are... I mean, it's, you almost never have a deuce. Turns out he does. But, but um, Deeb almost never has a deuce. He would almost always bet his ace against Kaufman on the turn. He would bet aces up on the turn almost certainly. Like, what strong hands does he really have? He doesn't have very many. He's betting a straight on the turn. Yeah. He's betting full, he's betting full what would be full, almost all the full houses on the turn. Now, so there's that. I don't know if this is true or not, but I have a theory about Kaufman's play here. Okay. And that it has nothing to do with Sean Deeb. It's about entitlement tilt. It's because the ace of diamonds came on the turn. Oh. Even though no action happened on the turn and it has no bearing on the hand whatsoever, he, his draw never actually mattered. A lot of players will take an aggressive action on the river if they improve on the turn to something that they feel like is a pretty cool or good hand where they wouldn't have if it were the ace of clubs instead of the ace of diamonds because they feel mentally committed to the pot. Yeah. This is something I have seen over and over again. Mm, and it's something cool. that you have to account for with amateurs, not with pros, obviously, with amateurs because they feel like, oh, now this is a hand that I'm very interested in. Like, they automatically just are like, okay, now I'm going to take a shot at this hand no matter what because this happened. So right. I think the reason that he's going for it so hard is simply because he picked up a Commodore on the turn. If it was the king of clubs on the turn, I don't think this happens. Wow. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, he got like married to the pot yeah. in his mind and is now like, well, that's mine. I'm yeah. supposed to win that, not you. And so I'm going to win that now. Right. That's cool. I, I think that, that makes sense. I don't know if it's true, but it really does make sense to me. So I think uh, if, if you can figure that out of Sean Deeb and know he's the type of guy who has that in him, that just adds so many bluffs to those types of players in yes. general. I mean, the other thing to think about is Sean Deeb and this is a stretch, I'll admit, but is um, his story is bad. He's telling a story which looks like he, sh- he looks like he could get blown off the hand. Right. So you think that means he should call more. Right. But only against someone who you think is going to pick up on that and attack that. Of right. Of course. Well, like, we, don't, we don't know enough about Jeremy. Look, if I didn't know, if all I had, if the only the stuff I knew about Jeremy was what I've seen, the little bits that I've seen, I think I would fold Sean, Sean Deep's hand in this spot. Because he the, seems so comfortable? He seems comfortable. I've got the worst kicker with the deuce. He might have tripped deuces. With a better kicker, he's Jeremy freaking Kaufman. He clearly can have anything here, right? If Jeremy Kaufman can have any trip deuces here and move in, then Sean Deep has to fold. Right. I think I think he can. I don't know if it's true. If he can have that and he can have 3-5, maybe even 3-5 off. I don't know if he can or not, but it's possible know. he can have 3-5 off here. There's so many combos that beat Sean Deep then. It's probably a fold, although there are probably so many bluff combos too. Well, now that we know that he's capable of this, it's really hard to fold to him, right? Because like you said, there's just a gajillion bluff combos. He's one of those guys you probably just have to hold on most of the time with, with some of your better hands. Sean D may also be very aware, like, oh, this is actually 
this may not be the absolute worst hand I raised the river with, but it sure is close. Maybe Ace-10 is the worst hand I raised the river with. No, yeah. he checked. He almost never has Ace-10. Five-deuce may be the worst hand he ever raises the river with. So from a distribution point of view, even though we're not trying to be game theory perfect or anything, you got to lop something off your distribution, right? Like, this is the worst hand you can ever have, pretty much. This, sec- this is the second nut low for trips. Especially, yeah, considering how much he raised. Yeah. So maybe, D, when he says... I've called the last three times in this spot, and I've been wrong every time. What he means is he's put himself in a spot like this with the bottom of his distribution and called anyway. Mm, maybe. maybe. Maybe that's what he means. Oh, that'd be cool if he meant that as yeah. opposed to just like, you know. Yeah, it probably does mean some version of that. Like I, the thin raise on the yeah. river, which where he's almost sure he's good and thinks he can get called by this player, and then he gets re-raised, and he calls, and they always have it, basically. Yeah. Except this time, they don't have it. So that's but good But this for him. time, Sean Deep folds. So oh, I no! Guess, so I guess he's 0 for 4. On hosts, oh. then. Oh, no, Shondirb. Who's, who's that? What voice is that? Oh, no. Do you have it's, peanut butter in your mouth? It's, um, it's, uh, it's a dude who's got, you know, got some issues. Just like is some that, real. Is that a, a is Sylvester he, Stallone impersonation? <laughs> it's more like a Bill Hader doing someone else. Like oh, doing I, can, I can hear that. Like doing Al Pacino, maybe. Yeah. You know? Hey, uh, you know how he does it? Yeah. He's great at that. Bill Hader is very funny. He is. He's quite I good. love that guy. Anyway. This works out for Jeremy Kaufman. And of course he shows it. He's of course it. he does. Sean Deeb actually says before he folds, because he, he shows his deuce. Yeah. Um, and thinks for a little more and says, you know, if you're fold, I think I, I, I respect if, you. No, you said if you're bluffing, I won't be mad at you. Oh, okay. Said. Then he said, I think I'd like you even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, then he, and then he folds and then Kaufman's like, of course I'll show the bluff and turns it over. And Sean Deeb just sits there quietly. Well, obviously that's a long-term play by Sean Deeb to, to say those things and, yeah. and get him to show and everything. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. And, you know, the, I mean, and Coffin's the kind of guy who, even though he knows he just showed a bluff, I don't think will be able to help himself and want to bluff more because the feeling he gets when he turns that over is worth more to him than the money he's going to lose trying to bluff these guys I mean, on the river yeah, later. Yeah, either Kaufman has so much money that it doesn't matter or he is so financially ruined that it doesn't matter, so he might as well have fun. <laughs> it, it, he seems like the kind of guy who's got a lot of money to me. Well, of course. No, yeah. but, but uh, yeah, but because he's... um. He's just, you know, he's so comfortable in all yeah. these spots. You know, he's not freaking out. Like, Jean Robert, who's always, like, playing on someone else's dime in these bigger games, yeah. always is so tense, you know? Right. Everything is super intense for him. Like, there was a hand in, in the Aria Super High Roller Cash game a few years ago, him against Billy Baldwin, where they both made the nuts on the river. They both made Broadway. It was the nuts. He raised Billy Baldwin on the river. Billy Baldwin went all in, and Robert took, like, a minute to call to make sure he had the nuts, and he finally said at one point, I mean, I have Broadway, but I just want to... And, and Baldwin's like, well, come on, Robert, then just call. Let's go. You know, he was super yeah. annoyed because yeah. like, he was so sure he was ahead until Robert said that, you yeah. know, because Robert did not instantly call. Um, and so then they chopped. But like, that's what someone who is like financially teetering is right. like, you know, and this guy's like, blah, 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 blah. You can screw yourself. I don't care. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like really different. It is. Well, that was a fun hand. Yeah, that was. That was good. Mike, and I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.